I endured managed care only for eight years. And in those eight years, I was now up to 60 patients a day because I was earning less per patient. And I started feeling like I was going back to that burnout path that I had originally had years before. And I watched the trajectory of what they were doing to us as doctors, Mm -hmm. questioning everything we did, asking for charts, denying claims, not approving this, changing the whole model right in front of us. And it got to the point where I said to myself, I hate this. And at the same time, I had probably a third of my practice was functional medicine patients that were paying me directly because insurance wouldn't cover it. And I was having more joy. And I sat down one day and I did the numbers. You're listening to the Direct Care Derm. My name is Stephen. I'm a board-certified dermatologist and direct care dermatology practice owner. I'm also your host. The Direct Care Derm is a podcast that gives you a blueprint for creating a direct care practice of your own with the help of my story as I'm living it and the stories of many friends and colleagues, both within dermatology and other fields of medicine and in relevant non-medical fields, such as marketing and finance. Each week, my friends and I will be bringing you tips, resources, education, entertaining stories, industry insights, and so much more. Consider this your one-stop shop for taking yourself from direct care curiosity to direct care mastery. At this point, you may find yourself asking, what is direct care? Direct care is the restoration of the therapeutic physician-patient relationship and the trust between patient and physician that has eroded so terribly over the last several decades. Direct care is addition by subtraction. It's the opposite of indirect care, the kind of care that's so frustrating to both patients and doctors. If you or a doctor in your life has ever talked about being burned out in medicine, this is one of the biggest reasons why. Fortunately, there's something we can do about it. By removing as many barriers as possible that stand between physicians like myself and the people who need us, Direct care practices seek to provide transparent, affordable, accessible, and superior care that meets and ideally even surpasses the expectations of the 21st century healthcare consumer. This episode of the Direct Care Derm Podcast is brought to you by Above and Beyond Dermatology, my virtual direct care practice that is on a mission to raise the standard of care in dermatology. If you're interested in learning more, subscribe to the Above and Beyond Dermatology newsletter at LlewellisMD.com or simply find me on Instagram, also at LlewellisMD. Follow me so your message will get to my inbox and DM me the word newsletter. If you want to get on the list and also get my free guide to starting and consistently using a topical retinoid on your skin, head over to retinoids, R-E-T-I-N-O-I-D-S dot LlewellisMD.com. You can also find links in the show notes. My primary focus with Above and Beyond Dermatology is helping people with chronic inflammatory skin diseases who haven't felt served, seen, or heard in the insurance-dependent dermatology market. The signature Above and Beyond framework for flipping the script on how you experience dermatology care might surprise you and can ultimately transform you if you're willing to put in the work. I also love to help with quicker things that simply need to be addressed in a timely manner. This reduces unnecessary suffering and possible misdiagnosis or mistreatment, as well as overall costs. The latter is a great alternative if you find yourself waiting three to six months or longer for an appointment with the in-network dermatologist closest to you. If you know any Wisconsin residents who may be in the market for a dermatologist, please share this with them. I'll gradually be obtaining licensure in other states so I can serve a broader geography. I don't contract with health insurance companies. I prefer to contract directly with my patients, clients, or customers, whatever term resonates most with you in the context of a health transformation. This direct connection helps restore the eroded physician-patient relationship, which is the essence of direct care. Simply call or text 715-391-9774 or email drlewellis, D-R-L-E-W-E-L-L-I-S, at aboveandbeyondderm.com for more information. There is no obligation. I'm happy to hop on a call to discuss if I'm right for you or your family and teach you about my philosophy and approach. If I'm not the best person for the job, I'll do my best to help you get to someone who is.
If you're not a Wisconsin resident but would like to pitch me on becoming licensed in your state, I'd love to talk to you as well. Now back to this week's episode. It's my great pleasure to have on the show today Dr. Robert Kornfeld. Dr. Kornfeld is a graduate of the New York College of Podiatric Medicine. He was awarded the most outstanding student in the field of ambulatory foot surgery by the Academy of Ambulatory Foot Surgery. After postgraduate training in foot and ankle surgery, he entered private practice in 1982. Dr. Kornfeld has been practicing functional medicine for chronic foot and ankle pain for 37 years. In the year 2000, he left insurance dependency so he could direct the care his patient needed and not be controlled by insurance companies. He is the founder of the Institute for Functional Podiatric Medicine, a teaching institute for podiatrists who want to take their practice to the next level of care and create a practice free from the stresses and constraints of commercial health insurance and Medicare. Welcome back to another episode of the Direct Care Derm. Today, I am honored to be joined by Dr. Robert Kornfeld. Uh, Dr. Kornfeld is going to introduce himself. We've become, I would say, friends now through our interactions primarily on LinkedIn, and that's been a lot of fun, but I'm very happy to be having a conversation with him now, at least with this medium and someday in person, and we'll talk a little bit about our how our paths intersect, at least with him being in New York City and my history there. But as of now, I just want to say I'm grateful you're here, Robert, and please introduce yourself to our audience. Sure. Thanks for inviting me on the show. I really mm-hmm. do appreciate it because I, I do think the story I have to tell can help people. And I think that's really what our goal is. Mm-hmm. So when I uh, went into practice in 1982, there existed what we call indemnity health insurance. And it didn't take me long to realize it if I accepted assignment of their payments, I could attract a lot more patients. So in a very short time, I built up a very busy practice. Insurance paid 80%, patients paid 20%. There was really not a lot of issues we had. There was no such thing as ICD codes, CPT codes. You wrote out on a form longhand what you did, you put your fee, they paid 80%. We got paid very well in those days. But there was a lot of other things going on for me at the time that kind of interfered with my appreciation of what was happening. First of all, I had a pretty difficult past, difficult childhood, lots of issues, lots of challenges, lots of struggles, went into my young adult life with really low self-esteem. And here I was in a practice that was seeing 30, then 40, then 50 patients a day. And everybody was expecting a lot from me. And what was going on deep inside was, I didn't think I could deliver the goods. I was just feeling not that good about myself because of my history. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't worked it through. And little by little, I started to develop symptoms. What I didn't realize was I was in a crisis. I thought I was just having some viral issues. Then I thought it was something that didn't want to go away. I went to my internist. He told me I was having tension headaches. Then I started getting many more symptoms. He told me I had generalized anxiety disorder and nothing was done for me except pills. And of course I had a rash all over my face. I went to a dermatologist (laughs) and I was prescribed topical steroid. Nothing really helped. I was battling symptoms. I was having breakthrough symptoms. I was told to take Valium, which I guess was the drug of choice in those days. Mm -hmm. Didn't take me long to start abusing it. And my whole world was coming apart. What I finally did eventually was go for help. And in that period of help, I realized I was having a struggle with myself and I needed to deal with me. (laughs) At the same time, I needed answers that I wasn't getting from traditional docs. And I went to a holistic doctor who did a completely different approach, completely different workup, diagnosed me with some nutritional disorders and some protein um, deficiencies and an adrenal neurotransmitter imbalance. And I went that route. Within three months, my symptoms were pretty much gone. And that empowered me to look past that traditional approach. And I started studying it. And then I realized I was at odds with everything they taught me. Things weren't working out the way they did in residency because I never got to see the patient again. 
you know, in reality, complications happen. Things out of the ordinary happen. It was on the job training. So I started immersing myself in more and more of a holistic approach and learning more and going to more seminars and conferences and joining organizations. And I began incorporating it into the practice. And my whole world changed because now I felt I'm really helping people. And this resonates with me. And I'm having fun. <laughs> and shouldn't we enjoy yeah. what we're doing if we're doing it day in and day out? I've been through a lot of different changes over the course of time. But what resonated with me most was looking at underlying mechanisms and managing those. And then I found I could treat almost every symptom naturally. I'm not going to say I never use drugs yeah. because I do. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, I don't. And I've changed thousands of lives in my career with that approach, with not just pouring water on the smoke, but really trying to find out why the fire is burning. Yeah. And that's really what brought joy to my practice. And that's what inspires me every day to do what I do. That was perfect. Sure. First of all, I've okay. been excited to have you on as a guest for a while now because of the various stages of your career that you've been able to experience. You've, you've climbed one mountain and now you're climbing the second mountain. We have these different phases of our lives and we do different things in those different stages. What's up, buddy? Brief interruption from a very important person. What's up? Sure. <laughs> Say hi to Mr. Robert, Dr. Robert. <laughs> What's up? Mom said uh, Burger King is open. I don't know about that, but I would try the one across the street where the McDonald's has the play place. It's okay. It's okay. I doubt Burger King is open, but McDonald's across the street has a play place. Okay? Thank you. <laughs> Adorable. Thank you. <laughs> so this second mountain idea, uh, there's ways of framing this that are have been around for thousands of years and in different cultures and religions and philosophies that in, I believe, Hindu, the four ashrams, the four stages of life. You do different things and you have different skills and different ways to contribute in these different areas of life. And first, you identified a problem in yourself. You sought help. You fixed that, but with the help mm -hmm. of others. And then you applied that to your practice. And now you are trying to help people who don't see that in their practice yet apply right. it to their practice. So you're leveraging yourself, which I think a lot of doctors should really be doing. And I think they'd have a lot of more joy in their life and more margin in their life to, to make their life what they want it to be if they did leverage their, themselves, because we are experts. We have so much to give. And it's hard when we are trapped in this, I can only provide value in a one-to-one -one interaction. So that's beautiful. The vulnerability that you shared, this is becoming a theme as I talk to more and more people, you reach a tipping point. Anyone who has a challenging career and they haven't reached some sort of breaking point where they needed to reach out for help and hopefully there, there was help there for them. And for some, we have a physician suicide epidemic. For some, there is no right. help. Or it I think what happens to a lot of people yes. with suffering and challenges yes. is they start hiding in the bushes. Oh, absolutely. And when you're hiding in the bushes, no one can help you because they, right. they don't know where you are. Mm -hmm. They don't know what you're going through. And they don't see you because yeah. you keep yourself hidden. Yes. To me, the challenges and the suffering that I experienced really heightened my ability to form a deeper connection to consciousness. Yeah. And consciousness really embeds you in your experiences. And that's where we grow from. And what I've been trying to help a lot of these doctors realize is that it's not their fault that they're suffering, mm -hmm. it's their fault that they're cooperating with the yeah. suffering. And from there, you have decisions to make. It's interesting how the human mind is programmed by the time we're seven years old subconsciously. And our prefrontal cortex is not fully mature till we're 25. So I give everybody a pass up till yeah. age 25. Yeah. Right? But <laughs> and that's that, that first point, quarter of life, just like the ashrams, yeah. But from that, when we make stupid yes. choices and dumb mistakes at mm -hmm. that point, but at a certain point when you say to yourself, I'm not happy, this isn't mm -hmm. working for me. I wish I had something different. I feel stuck. I feel like a victim. That's the key to reaching out. Yeah. That's the key to exercising your power as an adult, which is the power of choice. Yeah. Nobody is stuck. We choose 
to be, to stuck. be stuck. Yeah. That's my opinion. That's been my experience. <laughs> yeah. And your opinion carries a lot of weight given what you've done for yourself and your family and your patients through that use of agency, recognizing that you have a choice. The system is the way it is. It, you can do things that require collective action to try to change certain parts of the system, but you also have agency over your individual experience and you don't have to wait for the entire system to collapse and change for you to enjoy <laughs> your life and practice. So that we exactly. can hold those two things uh, at right. the same time. And the idea of your connection with consciousness, I bet that resonates with your patients now. It doesn't have to, it's not something that has to be said. They sense it in you and it's a shared thing just because of the, the energy that you're putting out and the subtle unspoken things, body language, the way you listen, the way they perceive your eyes while you're talking because you've been through it and you know that they are scared that they're going to be perceived as the difficult patient. Just as you well, were, that's, when you, that's the, the key. Yeah. We should talk a lot about that. As yeah, you were when you exactly. walked into that dermatologist's office who gave you topical steroids to put on your face for your rash, yeah. even though it's been right. there forever and you have all of these other symptoms, they have 60 patients or 40, 20, even right. who knows. And right. they are thinking about everybody else who's getting angry, waiting if they are going to talk to you about really what you've been through and right. something more than a, a medicine that will make it better for a second and then make it worse in the long run. And I think what makes us all better doctors is being good listeners yeah. and being able to connect no, no on doubt. a deep level. In the world of insurance dependency, you have to work fast. fast. Yeah. You may have your diagnosis made before the patient even says a word. Yeah. You take a look at what you know, right, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. And the patient's talking. A lot of doctors have their heads buried in their computers now. They're not really present. Mm -hmm. And I think that's done a lot to hurt the doctor-patient relationship. And I think it's done a lot to interfere with the confidence that the patient population has in our abilities. Indeed, we have lost something and it's not our fault, but it's our responsibility to, to do something differently and not mm -hmm. accept the system as it's presented to us if we truly wanna help people in that way. And some people will say, there's a shortage of doctors and there's all these people, you can't spend an hour with every patient and it's not about that for me. Some people need a five minute dermatology visit. I just wanna know what my rash is, just tell me, give me the mepiracin for my kids in Batigo, whatever it is, I, good. I was just talking about this with our mutual friend, Dr. Bryce Bowers. He, his friend said, you're a really good listener, Bryce. And he attributed that to why he has such good friends. And they took him out of a rock bottom area in his life. And he had his friends and family to save him when he could not even get out of bed. And that is because he built those relationships and he was a good listener, a good active listener. And if you use those skills during a five minute visit, you can make that five minute visit feel like 20 minutes to the patient, or you can make a 20 minute visit feel like five minutes. Sure. I, I was hearing from a, a physician who simply got coached on that topic alone. Just shut up. <laughs> Just, we know the diagnosis. We know you know what to do. Just right. shut up. Cause he was great doctor, wonderful person, always had the right diagnosis. The patients got better, terrible reviews. And <laughs> one, all it took was a coach to watch a couple interactions and just shut your mouth and sit there and listen yeah. and not in a uh, condescending way or a patronizing way, actually listen, it's enjoyable to just relax. Right. And I think what he did, uh, he used a tool, he brought a coffee into the room or something like that. And but think outside the box. Why not? He had something to distract him and I'll just enjoy my coffee a little bit. He did nothing different. The time spent with the patient didn't change. His outcomes didn't change. They were already good. His reviews went from below 10 percentile to 98th percentile or something. Just Makes like a huge difference. Perception is reality. You know, it, and go yeah, ahead. And in my practice, although I didn't intend to turn it into yeah. a chronic foot and ankle pain practice, those were the patients that started showing up in my office mm -hmm. when I started to brand and market what I was mm -hmm. doing. And they have a long story to tell exactly and i had to learn to listen to what they went through mm -hmm. what things were done for them what worked what didn't work what was their experience when in functional medicine we have to ferret a lot of information out of the patient that they're not that willing to put on the intake forms yeah. so you have to become a good listener you have mm -hmm. to become a good questioner yeah. 
And you have to be able to make someone feel comfortable enough with That's your right. presence that they're willing to tell you things that they really don't want to share. Yeah. And I'll give you a perfect story. Please. I, I had a woman in the office with, I think she said 17 or 18 years of chronic foot and ankle pain. No one can figure out what was going on. Radiology was negative and no imaging showed anything. Blood tests were negative. She insisted she was in chronic pain. So I went the route of CRPS or RSD thinking that's might where it might, where I might find answers, but I wasn't finding answers that I wanted to find. So I sat her down one day. I said, we really need to talk. I need to know more about your life. I want to know about your relationships. So she goes, what do you want me to tell? I said, oh, are you married? She goes, yes, I'm married. I said, tell me about your marriage. She goes, oh, <laughs> I went, tell me more. And she started to cry. And then she eventually shared with me that she's been married to an abusive alcoholic husband who regularly beat her. So I said to her, that level of stress that you're enduring is messing with your immune system. And until we get a handle on this, it's going to be very hard to help you. So my advice would be to figure out a way to take a break and separate yourself from the damage that's being inflicted on you. And she said, thank you very much. I was hoping for more. And she left. <laughs> Didn't hear from her for six months. Yeah. I got a phone call. Remember me? I said, of course I remember you. I said, what's going on? She goes, to be honest, I moved in with my sister five months ago. And I've been pain-free for three months. Unbelievable. So you never know where you're going to you find answers, right? If you don't ask the right questions. Right? So that, on a psychic level, I just think her pain was her fear of taking her next step. Beautiful. Right? Yes. And you being willing to risk the pain of thinking you did a said a pretty insightful thing and did a good job as a doctor and having the patient walk out and say, I was expecting more, but we'll see. That was right. the risk you took. And we exactly. know that we have to take those risks. And sometimes that's going to happen. Just like anything else, you can't control the way people react to you. You can only do what you think is best. And eventually, the, it's an odds game, probability, the numbers are going to play out in your favor uh, over right. the long run. And those people are more and more of those people are going to find you as they tell their friends and word gets around. What I love about a direct care type of practice where you have the flexibility to have the five-minute visit, don't charge a patient $1,000 for a five-minute visit, right. <laughs> but don't charge a, don't collect $57.42 for what needs to be a 90-minute visit. And right. that the constraints we feel when we just have our patients lined up because we don't know what they're coming in for. We have to use the time efficiently. There's staff there. Lights are on, all this stuff. And we need to get people through the door because they are trying to use their insurance. When we think of things like you said, RSD, reflex sympathetic dystrophy, CRPS, conflict, complex regional pain syndrome. Those are diseases that doctors, I'm not going to say bad, doctors who are rushed, doctors who don't have time, shudder at because they know it takes time and it's not easy to fix. And you didn't say, I can't help you. You said, if we don't work on these things, it's going to be difficult to help you. And right. that's putting some accountability in the patient. And they will accept accountability if they trust you and feel like they're on your side, but not if you're just talking past them and God complex. I, I know what you have is that type of thing, because it doesn't, that person is not going to get better if they don't take accountability. You cannot change where she's living. You can't change her relationship with her spouse, all of that stuff, but you can point it out and you can explain, here's what we know. I'm not trying to sell you snake oil. If I was doing that, I would have sent you out the door with a bunch of supplements and a subscription or whatever it was. Right. right. You said the inflammation from this chronic stress, cortisol, <laughs> like it's a stress hormone. It's great in little bits here and there. And it's, right. we need a basal amount of it, but it's horrible in other ways. It's not pseudoscience. It's not voodoo. It's just stuff that takes longer time to talk about takes buy-in from patients to do more than just take a pill uh, or have a procedure. And that's a difficult thing because we want quick fixes and not every person needs it. So we don't have to give that to every person on the planet. So that's going back to the straw man of you can't give a 60 minute visit to everyone. Yes. Then not right. everyone needs one, right. <laughs> but you right. have to have the flexibility like an attorney has 
Oh, you need a, a will? Okay, that'll take me a few minutes. Uh, uh, right. oh, okay, you're going through a divorce. That, of course, this is these. Right. But the difference that we can do between a nine nine two zero two and a nine nine two zero five for a will versus a divorce proceedings is not nearly enough to justify. And that's insurance inside baseball. But he understands what I mean, and uh, that is where I see the direct care practice adding so much value. And not everybody needs to go direct care. It's just one right. way to solve what is so clearly a problem. <laughs> when we were in training, they used to say to us, don't make your patient your friend. Hmm. It's a boundary blur. Yeah. What, what I've learned as a functional medicine doctor is we're not just physical bodies. Yeah. There's so much more to what goes on in keeping us healthy and well yeah. than just taking care of the physical. So I now can say wholeheartedly that when you have time to spend with your patient, when you connect, when you develop a potent relationship with them, you become their friend. And in that dynamic, trust builds. So to walk around in your fancy lab coat with your hand out, I'm the doctor, I'm unapproachable, Uh, talk to my staff, I'm just writing the prescription here. We miss a lot. And since I went to a direct care delivery, which was 24 years ago, everything changed for me. Because now I'm not working, as you say, for a 90 minute visit for 50. I'm getting value that I'm prescribed, that I'm delivering to the patient. Mm-hmm. I'm prescribing diagnostic and treatment protocols that I sit and educate them on. They leave my office understanding everything. They have direct access to me because I'm not overwhelmed with patients. So I do all the talking to my patients. When there's a question, they send the question directly to me and I answer them. Mm -hmm. And we can actually work through so many things that keep them stuck. For example, the hardest thing to get people to do is to change an unhealthy diet. Hey, three quarters of your immune system sitting in your gut. You keep eating like this. What do you expect? So here's what we need to do. And I sit them down and I take them through little baby step changes until they can get to a point where they feel like they're more in control. Hmm. And when things start to shift and change for them, they become even more compliant and they want more and they want to know what else they can do. As opposed to when I used to take insurance patients, this is what you have to do. And they'd come back a month. I'm still in pain. Did you do this? I didn't really have a chance. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It's a very different dynamic. They are so much more bought in and invested. And I have a feeling that is a result of the law of reciprocity because they see what you gave to them and the level you met them on. They want to do well for themselves, but for you too. They want to say, yes. Gordfeld, I don't have any pain. Like I walked Central Park yesterday with right. my daughter and they don't, they, as opposed to the patients that we're both thinking about, they are going to have embarrassment or shame or complex feelings about coming to you and saying, nah, I didn't really try. I didn't have time. And that's well, all know, the part of that bi-directional relationship that you're fostering. And part of it is because they are paying directly. Yes. They have skin in the game. This This is an investment. And I tell people, you're not spending money here. You're investing Mm -hmm. in your cure. You're investing in the future happiness and freedom. Because right now, you're always in pain. Your friends ask you to go do something. You want to know how many steps there are or how far you have to walk. And is there uphills and downhills? And then you say, no, thank you. I'm not going. So let's make this something that works. And here's the plan. When you spend a lot of time with people, they'll always tell you right away, no one ever spent this much time with me. No one ever asked me these questions. Mm -hmm. No one ever examined me this way. It's really about that. Yes, that is the, I say this all the time, low hanging fruit. I feel grateful to be an innovator and an entrepreneur in who happens to carry a, a medical degree right now because there is so much low-hanging fruit and there's so much room for innovation and improvement. And that is always the case. No one ever 
X. And usually it's related to time or the quality of the care or the questions you asked. As a result, there's so much pent up demand from people. It's not like nobody has discretionary money to pay. And the insurance companies have trained our future customers to pay out of pocket in addition right. to paying their premiums. So that's just right. a nice boon for the model. It's not like we aren't already paying out of pocket for our healthcare. It's just a few weeks later and it's an amount that we can't predict. And if we asked our doctor, they would say, I have no idea. And they would they would feel shame. This is not malicious. They're just, it's out of my control. I really right. honestly don't know. And that is a, a very blue ocean to be working in right now. And I like the contrast of you and me I came into this saying, what the heck happened? Like I talk about the good old days. You were mentioned the early 80s, indemnity insurance. We got paid very well back then. Insurance didn't ask a whole lot of questions. You said what you did. They paid you. They trusted you. What do insurance companies not do now? Trust doctors. There's no doubt right. about that, that they have right. zero trust for physicians. And some of us have done very bad things. But that is the case in every part of life. We are paying, those of us who continue to accept that system are paying the price of those who, who did those things and and being very under undercompensated and undervalued for what we are bringing. So I just love the idea that you actually experienced that and could tell me about it and are very open about it. It was pretty good, but still some things happened and I hit this tipping point. And then also, even if nothing happened, even if you were cruising and nothing ever happened, you would have been telling me the story. Things started change, the Blue Cross, all this, and all these ICD codes and PAs. And then that would have been probably the tipping point because that's what right. I see now is what, where's the good old days? This is awful to have to beg and plead to get medications for my patients and get paid. So that is really tough for me yeah. coming in and could and makes a lot of us very cynical. So we have to do work on ourselves to get beyond that cynicism and know that something can be done, but we have the work has to be done here first before you can start. I endured managed care only for eight years. Yeah. And in those eight years, I was now up to 60 patients a day because I was earning less per patient. And I started feeling like I was going back to that burnout path yeah. that I had originally oh, yeah. had years before. And I watched the trajectory of what they were doing to us as doctors, mm -hmm. questioning everything we did, asking for charts, denying claims, not approving this, changing the whole model right in front of us. And it got to the point where I said to myself, I hate this. And at the same time, I had probably a third of my practice was functional medicine patients that were paying me directly yeah. because insurance wouldn't cover it. And I was having more joy. And I sat down one day and I did the numbers. I was at that time working six days a week. Oh my gosh. Two of those days, I saw functional medicine patients. And when I sat down and did the math, that one third of my time was more than half my income. And I thought, what am I doing? And, I'm working like a dog. And probably far fewer patients per proportion. Yes. Yeah. Way fewer yeah. patients. Yeah. I thought, what am I doing? If I can't develop this on a full-time basis, I'm just going to quit medicine and go back to music, which yeah. was my original oh. plan. I won't say that it was an easy build. There's a lot you have to do yeah. to become a sought after doctor that people have to pay mm -hmm. to see. You gotta, you have to give them a compelling reason. And whatever compelling reason that is, that's gotta be your brand. That's gotta be the way you market yourself. Yeah. Mine was a holistic functional medicine model. Mm -hmm. So I originally started marketing myself as the last stop doc. Like you've been everywhere else, it didn't work. Yeah. Let's try this. And lo and behold, it did start to work. Yeah. But I was getting very involved cases, people that had been in pain for years, who had seen five, six, 10, 15 different doctors, had six, seven foot operations, and they were still struggling. And it was the best education I could have given myself because those patients really made me delve into uh, obtaining more knowledge and reaching out to a mentor. Even though there was no one in podiatry doing what I was doing, there were docs that were doing functional medicine, internal medicine. Yeah. And I mentored with one of these guys. And although Everything he was trying to explain to me didn't exactly apply completely. I took what I could and I did the rest on my own. And interestingly enough, 
I think it's the same today, 24 years later. If you want to go direct care, what's the compelling reason? Yes. How do you get people into your office? Some people will say, oh, my God, I can get an appointment with this guy tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And that's reason enough for them. Or I don't have to sit in the waiting room for two hours. Yeah. That's reason enough. Or it's not a two-hour wait and a two-minute visit. That's reason enough. But to provide services beyond what your peers are offering and what they're capable of offering because they're in that insurance model, mm -hmm. that's a compelling reason. And that's what has to be communicated to the patient population that's looking for help. And although I'm not a dermatologist, I will tell you that almost every one of my patients that comes in has some kind of skin problem. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. It's, it's a great lens to, to look at a, a patient's overall health through because you can both see it. People ask me all the time, why dermatology? And that's changed over time. And I wax poetic about it sometime. But I think when it gets, when it comes down to it, aside from the more superficial things, people care about their skin and hair and nails because they can see it and other people can see it. Even in the insurance model, they are very, typically very bought in already, but I still am not able to deliver the level of care that I want to do that I think is my zone of genius in that model and be happy and be a nice person when I come home to my wife and kids. <laughs> That's an, I would love to explore that as well, how we balance families and lives and not filling all the cups at the same time. You cannot fill right. every cup at the same time simultaneously, but when you are building a business, being an entrepreneur, very absorbing, and it can feel like you can use the excuse, I'm doing it for my family. No, you're doing it for yourself and right. <laughs> they will benefit perhaps. But right. when you reach a breaking point because you forgot about one of the cups for long enough, they are not going to remember that you were doing it for them. And that is a fascinating thing that maybe you could speak on at your experience when I imagine you may have struggled with that at the beginning when you were building your practice. If there's any advice you could give others in my stage, I think about it a lot because I have already gotten close to the point of you got to get it in perspective. You have these two beautiful children in front Absolutely. of you, this amazing wife. Everything I already have is better than anything I could get from doing what I'm doing now. And it's really hard to keep that in perspective. As a parent and as a doctor, wherever you go, you need to be a role model. Yeah. So when you go to the office and you're experiencing a miserable day and you're unhappy and stressed, you're going to bring that home. And that's what's going to be modeled. Yeah. So I don't think taking care of yourself first is a narcissistic event. I think it's essential yeah. because when we take really good care of ourselves, we can better take care of others. When we take good care of our patients, they take better care of the practice for us. So it's a very mutually encompassing way to live. And I think for most doctors, they struggle with the thought of charging a lot of money because that seems greedy or selfish or whatever words I've heard. But here's the reality. If you don't make a living that can support your needs, your desires, and what's to come, which is sending your kids to college and taking care of them and making sure they're provided for, you're going to come up with a tremendous amount of stress. Mm -hmm. So it is not narcissistic. It's essential to put yourself first. Make sure you're doing everything you can. And what I tell my students in my course that I teach is be a role model before you start introducing this to patients. Yes. Do what you're going to be asking them to yes. do. Become them before they walk through the door. Mm. Because then you're authentic. That's and what you're explaining to them and what you're offering to them and what you want them to do, they see that in you. Yeah. And when you go home feeling really good about what happened the entire day, that gets transmitted to your family instead of, all the stress yeah. or what a lot of people do. They come home and they have 25, 30 charts to write <laughs> while they're in bed. Yep. <laughs> yes. Which, that, which yeah. takes away from family time. We got to get over this whole thought process that we've had embedded in us from the very beginning, yeah. which is how dare you charge that much money yeah. for what you're doing? Yeah. I have been attacked by my own peers for years and years. They've criticized me. They've marginalized me. They've said things about me on the internet, hmm. and I don't even know who they are, and they don't even know what I really do. Yeah. 
But what I see is nothing but fear. What I see are those people who are so stuck and so embedded in their stressful life experience that anybody that steps outside of it highlights for them what they're not doing. So I let them do all of the screaming, yelling, and carrying on. And I still went and did my thing. Yeah, took the high road. And I think you see in those people yourself. Oh, yeah. 27 years ago, 30 years ago. And that is how you approach someone who is coming at you with secondary emotions, I'll call them anger or whatever it might be from a place of empathy rather than reactive defensiveness. Or I have struggled with that and I'm getting much better at it. And it's almost inevitable. I'm confident enough that I know this venture will be successful just because it's so obvious what to do and it's only up to me what to do the work. So if I do the work, it will be successful, almost guaranteed. And when it is, there will be people inevitably who do what you're experiencing. And many people say, if no one is taking shots at you, you haven't really quite made it yet. And there's so many complex emotions that go in with that, but I love your approach to it. You see them with empathy. You either don't say anything at all, or if you're going to engage, you're not gonna engage in a reactive way. And that you are still, and you're showing them, you're still keeping the door open for, hey, if you ever come around to it, if you ever hit rock Mm -hmm. bottom, this is how I did it. No magic secrets. It's a vision and it's work. And you have to do it. I borrowed from Einstein's theory of relativity when I teach the course. E equals MC squared. Execution (laughs) equals motivation times consistency squared. Squared. Yes, because it's consistency that moves things. That's beautiful. And if you're motivated to change Mm -hmm. and you're consistent, 100% you're going to succeed. Yeah. 100%. I tell my patients all the time, do the right thing. Don't look for results. Mm. But if you do the right thing or right things, the right results always come. We just don't know when, but you stick with it and you evaluate things Mm. and you stay conscious. And what what doesn't work, you have to choose a different path. Indeed. But you can't give up the journey. Absolutely. What this resonates with something I I spoke to Dr. Bowers in that recent conversation I already alluded to when you said patients who are changed in some way from what you counsel them about, they then come back excited to do more. And they're like, I can, what else is, I'm like, not in a a culty way or or whatever. It's because... I I can sense that you're authentic and I can see that you're not selling a one size fits all functional medicine program. We can talk about that in maybe another episode, marketing, branding. How do we respond if we are incorporating functional medicine into our practice? How do we differentiate them ourselves from the mills? The, I can teach you to have an online functional medicine program uh, and, and run away from your physical therapist job or whatever it is. And there's a lot of complexity in that, but we can also just ignore it and do what we know is good for ourselves. And there's plenty of patients to go around. So we don't have to be worried about that either. I have had patients show up at my office and they were given 35 supplements oh, yeah. by another doctor. And I look at them and I went, do you know what all of this does? And they go, I'm hoping it's going to make me healthy. I said, no, it makes your body really lazy. Mm. You've got all these pre-digested nutrients coming in. You don't need your digestive enzymes anymore. Yeah. The longer you do this, the longer it's going, the, the harder it's going to be for your body to break down, digest, and assimilate real food. Not to mention the fact that when you're piling in tons and tons of antioxidants, which are also electrically unstable like free radicals, they're going to turn into free radicals. <laughs> so when people say to me, Oh, functional medicine, what do you just prescribe supplements? No, functional medicine is an intense approach to understanding what's going on in each patient specifically on a physiologic level, whether it's a physical issue, whether it's an emotional issue, we have to understand everything before we put together a protocol. Supplements are called supplements because they're supposed to supplement the healthy lifestyle. They are not a replacement for drugs. I want to make that clear. Anybody who thinks they're going to replace a drug with something natural, forget it. It's not going to work. You've got to deal with the underlying mechanisms of pathology first and foremost. You have to help that patient create 
healthy so that their diet, their lifestyle, their environment supports their health. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of challenges in our modern living. The air is polluted. The water is polluted. Food is filled with chemicals. Mm -hmm. Of course, we're seeing a lot more difficult and chronic pathology than ever before as the body's fighting against all this junk that's Mm -hmm. constantly coming in. And unfortunately, there's good and there's bad with social media and AI because People can manipulate things, put it out there, and everybody believes it and everybody buys into it. Take an enormous amount of time with a new patient. It could be 60 minutes, could be 90. Mm -hmm. Yesterday, I was with someone for two hours. That's not the way insurance allows us to operate. You can't. You don't have the time. And they'll never approve a two-hour initial visit. You'll max out at a certain number, and then they're going to audit you and say, oh, we're only going to pay you for a 15-minute whatever. And what will insurance approve? They'll approve all the lab tests and expensive imaging tests or so forth. And a visit with every specialist known to man for 15 minutes (laughs) for that patient. And then how much does that cost? That's way more than you would ever charge for a two hour visit. And then they'll bring you the stack of papers from all of those visits and say, nobody did anything for me. But all of those doctors would have been paid, probably not what they deserved, but nonetheless. So it shows the the inherent short-sightedness of of the companies. And that's what it is. They're companies that are reporting quarterly earnings and things like that. And that's what they have to do. And they're making, hey, the the sun is shining. But the, the idea of supplements as supplemental. I love that. Supplements are not solutions. They're not the fix, the answer to the problem. And be wary of anyone who knows immediately what supplements you need and gets you on a subscription for them and doesn't talk about, okay, when are we going to get off of these? That's the type of red flags because functional medicine is everywhere. That doesn't make it bad. It's just, it it just is. It it needs to be based on a quantitative analysis lab work. Mm-hmm. and a qualitative assessment of yeah. who you're dealing with. Every patient yeah. is interestingly different. different. Yeah. Many SNPs, mutations, that interfere with so many different mm-hmm. pathways that should allow for homeostasis, yeah. but they're blocked off or they're inefficient. And we have to know this and we have to analyze things. Yeah. Every patient that walks through the door is not a diagnosis. Yeah. They're a patient that crossed the morbidity threshold and we want to know why, right? Y- it doesn't matter the- how yeah. that manifests. Yes. You are the first person to, and it may be your phrase, or maybe it comes from functional medicine teachings. I don't know. Maybe you can tell me more about it, of the phrase of morbidity threshold. And I have used Mm -hmm. that, and I've credited you because I didn't know where else to credit. But I love that idea, and I've talked to patients about it. And it is such a fascinating, sorry for that. That's just my vacuum emptying itself. It'll be done in a second. Okay. (laughs) The idea of we all have these underlying setups. It's this house of cards that all of ours are different and you throw the environmental stuff on top of it. You throw the food you're putting in your body on top of it. You throw the stressors, the sleep, all of these things. And the same combination of those things is going to impact each person individually because of bioindividuality, because of the epigenetics, all of that. So that thoughtfulness that goes into, okay, these one or two supplements, I think these will help you get out of the terrible place you're in right now. And we're going to talk every time about, do you still need this? The ultimate goal is for you to be feeding yourself with food and movement and quality relationships and sleep and joy, play, all those things. But we will do the other things while you need them and while they're still contributing to you feel, feeling better. I used the analogy of the old video games where like a Zelda or something, you would walk into a room and then the map in the corner of the, video, of the game would light up and you'd see a, part of, a new part of the map, but all the rest is dark still. And, but for this, for those patients, they still have a lot of dark part of the map, but the more they open up, the bigger the map gets. So they still, it's still always like 90% dark, but right. six months ago, the map was this big, and now it's this big. You probably feel like there's 90% of functional medicine that you would still love to learn and become a master of. Because the oh, more yeah. you learn, the more you discover, the more there is to discover. I would love to hear about a little bit about how you mentioned a mentor. Maybe you could talk mm-hmm. to us about the resources that you used, whether it's Institute of Functional Medicine or something else that you felt helped you early on in your career when you were trying to understand this, apply it to yourself, get to a point where you could authentically 
and not mm-hmm. in a disingenuous way apply it to your patients. The Institute for Functional Medicine, but before that existed, mm-hmm. it was just running to every Jeffrey Bland seminar mm-hmm. I could get to. Jeffrey Bland is what I'll call the modern father of functional okay. medicine. The very first time I went to hear him, which was probably around 91 or 92, I remember sitting in the auditorium and I kept looking around going, am I the only one that has no clue what this guy is talking about? (laughs) I didn't understand anything he said, but I was intrigued and I went to another one and I felt the same way, but I wrote a lot more notes trying to decipher Then it turned out that everybody was having the same issue. And we asked him to please try and speak in lay terms because Mm. as a a biophysical scientist, we didn't really understand his vocabulary. And once he started to make it more accessible to people that didn't have his PhD training, it was like the whole world opened up. Mm. So I couldn't get enough of it. I went to every seminar I could. I joined every holistic medical organization that was out there. Whatever little pearls I got, I took. I listened to radio shows of functional medicine docs. I started my own radio show. But what I ultimately will tell you is the more knowledge base you have, the better. Because once you have that solid base, you're going to learn a lot more from your patients. Because as you see the things that work and don't work, it stimulates your curiosity. Mm. Why isn't this working? What did I miss? And you just start digging and digging. And, you know, I did go through a mentorship with a doctor for a year. And he didn't really have the kind of time for me that I wished he had. And we weren't communicating on email. I had to make appointments to speak to him on the phone. This was a really long time ago. Things are very different now. It's much easier to yes, it is. have a mentorship for many people, which is why I started my teaching institute for podiatrists, because I feel their pain. I know what they're going through. I was there once myself. I made all the effort I needed to make to build an incredibly successful and very enjoyable practice. I still love going to work. I'm going to be 70 this year. Mm. I'm still going to work. Yeah. But I find a lot of joy in teaching it. I find a lot of joy in inspiring others to do better. And in the short time that I've been running the Institute, which is now about 11 months, I've learned a lot about how to teach better. So now a lot of my research and my reading is about teaching. It's about how to get points across, how to present things, how to make it easily understandable. Because when I started recording and and writing the course for for my potential students, I would watch them and I would go, oh my God, I'm Jeffrey Blanding them. I have to stop. (laughs) That's what I was waiting for. (laughs) And it's just, you have to stop. You have to stop yourself. You have to really think differently. So even though you're teaching doctors, you have to speak to them in lay terms because they didn't learn this in medical school. They didn't have this exposure. It's very foreign to their current paradigm. And it's scary if you overwhelm them. And there's nothing overwhelming about this. It's all about learning. The reason I call myself the fast track to a functional medicine direct pay practice for podiatrists, not that you fast track and that's everything you need to know. It's how do I get out of this horrible mess I'm in with insurance and transition as quickly as I possibly can. So I've given them a very solid framework on which they can then expand their knowledge base. And if they want to go beyond what the course offers, I'm offering mentorship to them so that it's not just, here's the course, goodbye, I'm done with you. Hmm. I'm always available because I'm having a lot of fun doing this. And it's joy. To me, at my stage of life, if you don't have something joyful and something passionate in every day you're here, you're missing out. Yeah. You're missing out. You, bet. you have to put passion in your day. And if you're not getting it from medicine, you got to find it somewhere else. But you have to allow that to filter into every day. That's so helpful for so many people listening. I love that you realized that you were Dr. Blanding, your people, because again, you experienced this and now you're applying it, but you made the same mistakes that he was and he wasn't aware of them. It's the art of communication and you have to try. If you never started making those recordings because you were scared, you weren't going to get your point across. 
right. no, no institute, right? But you exactly. had the courage to do that. And every time you make that course, it's going to be better. It's going to serve more people. They are going to tell more people and virtuous cycle. I, the, one of the North stars of my practice and my vision is from the phrase virtuous cycle, which I first heard in Danny Meyer's book, Setting the Table, the owner of Union Square Hospitality Group, and fantastic book about the magic of hospitality. And now one of the people he trained, Will Godaro, who managed and co-owned 11 Madison Park, wrote a book about hospitality. He was so good at it that one of his people came to write an amazing book about hospitality. And that is what we need to give, the feeling we need to give to our students, if, if we have students, to our patients, if we are having an offer above and beyond what they can get when they walk in the door of any insurance-dependent practice. And because they are expecting more, they deserve more, all of those things. And we have more fun if we're creating those magical moments through hospitality. Uh, we have better stories to tell. We, they give it back to us They, in terms of loyalty. As you said before, they take care of your practice. They love this thing, so your patients want it to be there. They, they value right. it, uh, so they don't want to abuse it and they wanna help support it. Uh, I think having a North Star like that, whatever it is for the individual, is a great way of filtering decisions, what to do when you have many decisions to make. In that second book, it's called Unreasonable hospitality. But when he was at 11 Madison Park, he had a rule called the 95-5 rule, and they would use 5% of the budget to be totally outside the box, like nuts, like absolutely go above and beyond, completely unreasonable in terms of hospitality that they could bring. And they invited their partners and teammates to think about what these things could be. And the rest of the 95% of the budget we got to run a restaurant. We are Michelin stars. We got to have it down. We want to pay our, our suppliers. We want to keep our people happy and employed. But that 5% was allowed to be used to go crazy with outside the box hospitality. Outside the box thinking like that, it's like oxygen to me. And it, I was suffocating inside an insurance-based practice because you don't, you just go from room to room. You never have time to breathe. You're charting all the time. You're charting when you're at home and there's no creative time. It's all that same mental act again and again. So I'd love to know if you have any pearls from your 27 years of running a, a practice that has to have an irresistible offer to get the people in the door in a place like New York City. Right? And I probably walked right. past your practice many times, which is fun. But if there's anything that you learned in terms of marketing, branding, all of that stuff, it's not just like supplements. It's not an icky thing. Uh, it's I, just, it can be I abused and yeah. It's a great question. And, yeah. I, and I think the number one pearl I can give when you're marketing what you're doing, don't just talk about you and what you are and who you are. Mm -hmm. It's what are they going to get out of coming to you? So when you are actually branding yourself, you also have to market to the public what they're going to get from coming to you. So that's number one. Mm -hmm. Some, I don't know if this is a related thought. It just popped into my head. I remember when I was in training, one of the attendings once said to me, a happy patient's going to tell a couple people. An unhappy patient's going to tell everybody they ever met. <laughs> you bet, including right? the internet. And, but since I'm in direct care, yeah. I would say I very rarely have an unhappy patient. It's <laughs> almost never, thank God. But my happy patients, they don't tell two people. They tell everybody they yeah. know. It's the opposite of what they told me 40-some-odd mm -hmm. years ago. The key to being successful outside of insurance is making sure that you're providing a unique service and that you're telling people before they come to you what they're going to get from coming to you. Mm -hmm. I prefer to talk to patients on the phone before they ever show up. That's a great idea. I do all my own reception work. A new patient does not speak to staff. They speak to me. I tell them who I am, and then I tell them what they're going to get from coming to me. And I ask them on the phone, what have you done so far? How has that worked for you? And things just don't seem to ever satisfy them because everything is so rushed. So one interesting little comical thing, I go to work in jeans now. I don't wear the lab coat. I'm on their level now. And I also have an earring. 
So I remember a new patient shows up one day. This is probably three, four years ago. And the whole time I'm talking to her, she's looking me up and down. So at the end of our encounter, I asked her, is there something you want to say to me? Because I see your eyes moving up and down. She goes, I'm going to be honest. I've never come to a doctor who wore jeans and had an earring. <laughs> I said, oh, what do your doctors usually wear? She goes, lab coats and ties. I said, how has that worked out for you so far? She goes, really bad. So I said, then it might be time for a doctor that wears jeans and has an earring. <laughs> anyway, I did get her well. I discharged her. And maybe a month later, I got a, a card in the mail, like a Hallmark card, but no return address. Mm -hmm. And I opened it up. And as I opened it, it was a hand drawing of a bald man with an earring wearing jeans. Love that. <laughs> and she wrote, you were so right. Thank you for everything. Beautiful. <laughs> it's Somewhere. not about the image. It's about how we connect. Yeah. Yeah. You know. And you had the courage again to say, is there anything else you wanted to say to me like that? That takes courage because yeah. that isn't yeah. introducing a, a potential awkwardness or whatever. And then you had this great insight from her as a result of asking that question. And right. you're comfortable in being who you are. And that comes totally. across. I am horribly totally. uncomfortable in a lab coat. I have narrow shoulders. I, it, it looks like the, a box on me. It, it just doesn't work. I've never been comfortable in it. And therefore I've always, after residency where I had to be respectful of whatever, I just, I don't wear this. And I think it's important to be comfortable when you are doing such an important and difficult job. So that's wonderful. But you also have to earn that to some degree. And you have thinking about ways to start wrapping this up and envision the future of having you back again to do a deep dive on a specific okay. area. Maybe you could even take us through, if you're ever willing, a depersonalized or no, no identification. But if maybe use case studies in your course, I'm not sure. But if you have a case study that you'd be willing to do a more deep dive, talk about some tests that you like to use, talk about how they apply to the individual patient labs you like to run. People love learning about that stuff because we mm -hmm. know it's not one size fits all. Very happy to do that. That would yeah, be great. Be very happy. Thank you. So I just want to use this time to express my, again, admiration for having someone like you to learn from and the fact that you're taking the time to share with me and with our audience about your journey and the courage it took to get you from where you were when you were suffering to where you are now, which is so clearly a, a place of happiness and joy. You can't hide that. That would be very hard to put that put on that show for a very long time. Right. So your patients are lucky to have you. I'm glad that you have a thriving practice. You're biological age is nowhere near 70, I'm quite sure, <laughs> whereas your chronological age is. So good job by you for that. And that's that Thank shows you. that you're practicing what you preach. You are thinking about your sleep, your movement, your relationships, your nutrition, your weight, all of those things. And that doesn't mean you're perfect. You're a work in progress like all of your patients and me. Nobody's perfect. We yeah. can only do our best. That's right. But absolutely. to me, being the best is being your authentic self. Yeah. And when you take that attitude with you everywhere you go, everybody seems to gravitate to that. Yeah. People don't like fake. They don't. And, it's and not they sense fake right away. Yeah. I've heard from so many of my patients, oh, I went to this doctor. He was so haughty. <laughs> Why would a doctor have to be haughty? That's insecurity, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. That is not going to connect what he has to offer to a patient in need. Yeah. We can just be real. Mm -hmm. The only people that judge us are ourselves. Yeah. What everybody else thinks is irrelevant because yeah. everybody has an opinion and mm -hmm. I don't subscribe to what other people think I should be doing because I used to do that and it didn't work out for me. So now I follow my heart. I do what I think is best for me, for my loved ones, for my patients, and it all works. But I don't apologize for anything. Good. Being authentic is much more sustainable for us over time. Acting is very hard. Actors, after a long day of 12 hours of shooting, are absolutely exhausted. I can only imagine. So that and authenticity comes across. And I want to end with what you said about earlier about I love your C squared. It's beautiful to have a framework, these ways of teaching, these things that you leave people with. 
Frameworks are like scaffolds. You, you, you put them so that someone can go up that building and feel some measure of safety and like, where do I start? They have somewhere to start, but everyone's going to do their own thing to that building if they're renovating right. it. But you're putting up a scaffold for someone else and showing them that there is a way. And you also show them your building. Here's the building that I, I built when okay. I had a scaffold. Yeah. And that C squared is so important for anyone wondering People might even be looking at me and be like, I can't be where he is. I am nowhere when I look at other people ahead of me. I just started, but consistency squared. And the power of that square is remarkable. And it simply is putting in the work every day. And that's what so few people are willing to do. And if you use the only true edge we actually have in life, which is being yourself, because you are the only Dr. Robert Kornfeld, that is the only actual uh, real edge that you have forever in your life over everyone else. And absolutely that's well I, said. <laughs> thank you. I would love for you to tell our audience where they can reach you. I'll also have links in the show notes to both your practice and your institute for people to mm-hmm. check out and any parting words if you have them. But I am eternally grateful to have you on and look forward to having you back. Thank you. I appreciate it. So any people who would like to inquire about becoming a patient can go directly to my website. It's dr. Doctor robertkornfeld.com. And for prospective podiatrists who would like to learn what I can teach and help up-level their experience and practice and get them away from the insurance model, they can go to the Institute website, which is Institute for Functional Podiatric Medicine. And I'm happy to give out my phone number if anybody wants to speak with me directly. It's 516-369-3172. I'm eternally grateful for having you invite me on so I could share what I love to share with everybody because it's in sharing that we build family. Well said. Uh, We nurture each other with our stories. And that is what a big part of what I want to do here. In addition to giving people some scaffolding, a blueprint, a roadmap, making it seem possible and realistic and normalizing doctors who actually love what they're doing rather than what has been normalized for me. My entire life in medicine is doctors who hate what they're doing as a result of external uh, factors. So you're part of that. I'm part of that. One thing I'll leave the audience with is that it's important just for anyone who's listening to see two men talking to each other about difficult things in their lives. You shared with me some difficult times you went through or how each of us dealt with that tipping points, various things. There's not enough of that. We suppress the men, especially we don't have as many close friends. Typically, we don't have these deep relationships. And when we get into really hard times where we need someone and we can't do it on our own anymore. We sometimes don't have those people to reach out to. So I think men need more and more examples of conversations like this happening between men. I'm going to have women on the show too, but this is important. So thank you. I agree with you completely. I look forward to having you back and thank you so much for your time. And we will catch everybody on the next episode. Thanks. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. If you enjoyed this episode, the best way you can support a podcast is to share, follow, subscribe, and most importantly, leave an honest review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast hosting platform. If you're new here, you might not feel ready to leave an honest review yet. At the very least, keep listening and share it with one person in your life who you think might benefit from it. Thanks for being here. Your attention means the world to me. I'll see you on the next episode. If you like this and want to subscribe to my newsletter, head over to LewellisMD.com. That's L-E-W-E-L-L-I-S-M-D as in medical doctor.com.